Billy Graham leaves painful legacy for LGBTQ people. NBC News headline. Pope Francis is quoted as saying, Who am I to judge gay people? And a New York Times headline, Baptist pastor is fired after coming out as transgender. And Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is Does God Hate Gay People? On JC and Me, I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Thank you for joining us this week. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, I give you a prayer, Lord. I present a prayer of thanks for all of the listeners of this podcast. I thank you, Lord, for giving me the words and scripting this podcast and writing the article associated with this podcast. And Heavenly Father, we offer up to you our time today. We offer up to you our devotion. And we pray for complete understanding. I pray that everybody's hearts and minds and ears are opened with complete understanding as we biblically support this topic. We thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, and we thank you in advance for your guidance. And as always, we pray in the name of the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you can no doubt tell, the title of this article is A Bold Hook. Christians believe that the Holy Bible is the unerring Word of God. Therefore, as a Christian minister, I answer this question in faith, stating the biblically supported position on this and other related questions. Does God hate gay people? Of course not. God does not hate. Are Christians supposed to hate gay people? Absolutely not. Does the church, quote-unquote church, hate gay people? Not if it is a church that is true to Christ. God forbids hatred towards gay people, just as he forbids hatred towards any people. All of God's commands relative to loving our neighbor and our brothers and sisters apply to loving gay people as much as any other people. Should gay people be barred from attending church? Not if we are to exemplify Christ's teachings and example. Christ was frequently questioned for keeping within his company prostitutes, tax collectors, and others known for their sins. His reasoning was that a physician preoccupies himself with the sick, not the healthy. That the good shepherd leaves the 99 to reclaim the one lost sheep. Likewise, if we do not view those who are gay as lost sheep, we betray Christ's legacy example, and commands by excluding them. We do not bring lost sheep to Jesus by barring them for being lost in the first place. For if we lock out the lost sheep, not only would our fellowship be non-existent, but it would also be comparable to a physician rejecting a patient for being sick. Isn't that what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did? Are Christians supposed to judge gay people? No. 
Just as Christians are not to judge any people, Christ has made it clear that nobody is fit to judge another. All judgment resides with Jesus. God has pronounced that all sin is sin. So why is there such a popular misinterpretation amongst gay people, straight people, non-Christians, and yes, all too many Christians about God's position on gay people? Here's what the Holy Spirit tells us in his word about gay sexuality. Leviticus chapter 18 verses 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 to 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And Romans chapter 1 verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. God has made his position clear that any form of sexual abomination is sinful and that gay sexual union is a form of abomination. There are many in secular society who will say, I do not agree with that. Why would a loving God say that? Which is another topic altogether which I address in my past articles. However, the reality of our eternal existence is that man did not create God. God created man. Man creates earthly secular laws, but he does not create eternal spiritual laws. Only God does. And God's position on gay sex is that it is sinful. That does not mean that God hates gay people. It does not mean that anyone should hate gay people. In fact, God loves gay people, and those who endeavor to walk in faith are to love gay people just as God loves them. All of God's commands relative to how we love God and how we love one another apply to how all people, gay and straight, relate to God and to each other. No one specific sin is greater than any other. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is designated the unforgivable sin because it means rejecting Christ as Lord and Savior and therefore rejecting his eternal salvation. However, as all sin is sin and equally offensive to God, gay sexual union is no greater a sin than a straight married man or woman lusting after another partner with their eyes, committing adultery, lying, or any one of us treating our neighbors with hate or judgment. As I mentioned above, only God is fit to judge. Therefore, gay people are not to be judged by others. All sin is an offense against God and is a personal matter between the sinner and God. We are called to love and sympathize with a gay person as with any person. We are all sinners. We are all children of God. Our sin is a personal matter between God and ourselves. 
Two dear friends of mine, a lifelong pastor and his wife, a professional counselor, have worked with gay and straight congregants and clients for decades. On this topic, they said, quote, Straight people have no idea what gay people go through, what their lives are like, the social denials and denial of love, of family in some cases. We are challenged with something that we do not understand, combined with God's statements in the Bible, which we must obediently follow. We must not judge. Should an individual who partakes in gay sex be appointed as a church leader? The Holy Spirit tells us in the Word on the matter of the conduct of church leaders that they must be beyond reproach, self-controlled, worthy of double honor, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7 to The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The issue here is not specifically gay sex. Any church leader practicing any form of sexual sin are not to be appointed or continue in a leadership capacity in church fellowships. Should a church marry same-sex couples? Would Jesus have given a same-sex marriage his blessing during his ministry? No. No, he wouldn't. And God's covenant and commands are for all time. They apply today as much as they did during Christ's ministry. It is imperative that we do not compromise our faith under the pressure of political correctness or secular convention. Can someone truly be saved, aka born again, who partakes in ongoing gay sex? Only God knows who is saved and who is not. All saved Christians continue to live sinful lives. We cannot help ourselves. That is the whole point to Christ's salvation. The question is, are we struggling with sin or are we indulging in sin, expecting Christ's salvation to be a get-out-of-jail-free card? We dare not indulge in sin for risk that it is evidence that we were never saved in the first place, that we never truly accepted Christ into our hearts in the first place. God knows our struggles. We are never invisible to Him. What does God expect of those who are attracted to their own gender? The same thing that he expects of all of us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And exemplify this by not participating in sin, sexual and otherwise. When Christ was challenged with the question, but teacher, who is my neighbor? He answered by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. A parable that illustrates that anyone, regardless of their belief systems, nationality, or various orientations, is our neighbor. 
Christ commands us to practice mercy, charity, and love towards our neighbor. This is how they know we are his. We let our light shine brightly. I have ministered to gay people who have told me, gay is not just what I do, it is who I am. No amount of pretending that I am straight will change that. There's no passage in the Bible instructing us not to be gay, but rather not to do gay sex. So when they ask me, Pastor Joseph, what am I to do? I encourage them to accept Jesus Christ into their hearts of their own free will in accordance with the Gospels. I encourage them to read the Word and of their own free will to decide if they are going to walk out their faith as the Lord instructs. Christ advised his disciples that he brought change, that he was not politically correct, that he was, not, that he was, that he was controversial, that his children would face certain persecution for taking up their cross and following him, that the world, the sinful world, would hate us because of him. The Word of God is not ambiguous on this topic. However, we are called to walk our faith and to live with compassion, grace, and mercy, even when to do so challenges our understanding. Thank you very much for tuning in to JC and Me this week. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Be sure to visit my website at www.christianminister.ca where I've posted free resources. I invite you to borrow them and use them for ministry, for your walk of faith, and for evangelism. Thank you once again. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, I thank you for this opportunity and this time. Lord, we appreciate your guidance. And we ask you to continue to bless us with strength and with wisdom and with grace as we walk out our faith, evangelize, and as we spread your word in loyalty to your teachings, obediently to your example. We thank you, God, and we love you. And we ask for these blessings in the precious and sacred name of Christ Jesus. Amen.